The following sermon is brought to you by New Covenant Community Church, a Bible-based church located on Route 62 east of Johnstown, Ohio. To learn about New Covenant Community Church, visit www.new-covenant.org. Again, that is new-covenant.org. Now, enjoy the message. Hallelujah. Lord, you are great. And Lord, it is because you are great that we've gathered here together to sing your praises, to lift high your name, to say thank you for all that it is that you've done for us. Lord, we need you for so much more than just salvation, Lord. We need you every day in a sweet and special kind of way that that would make you our shepherd and not just a thing that we do on the weekends. Father, we love you. You are great. And we sing your praises this morning. And all the church says together, Amen and amen. Please be seated in God's house. Glad to see you all here. Please be taking your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. Go past Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament, and then you will come to the book of Acts. And we invite you to go to the third chapter. Welcome all of you that are here and joining us online. I certainly hope that if you are home that you are also taking your Bibles to Acts chapter 3 as we seek to worship Him through the preaching of His Word. We have been in the book of Philippians and, uh, and you know we've been going through it and we will go through it in its entirety and I always intend when we begin books like that to preach all the way through them. I always in vision just starting at the very beginning and and having no breaks but having a a series of sermons that go all the way through with every verse in their entirety and and but it always seems like things come up and sometimes those things are things like christmas and i feel drawn to the holy spirit to to lead people of, of study of god's word of the things pertaining to christmas to see christ as the greatest fulfillment and promise of all time and 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 all kinds of things come up needs in the church that need preached to and and counseling from the pulpit that needs to happen in the congregation, all these different things. But the thing that has come up today leading us to Acts chapter 3 is that, uh, is that this church is, to me, very clearly being attacked by the devil. And I'm not really worried about that. The Bible says that when you resist the devil, he will flee from you. And I believe that we together through the preaching of God's word will resist the devil and that he will then flee from this body of believers. Um, but we knew it would happen. We knew that when you're baptizing people and people are getting saved and the church is growing, that, that certainly the devil will attack. And even so much so that myself and the leadership of this church, we even took a good hard look at much of the way that ministries go around here to really close doors on certain areas of the ministry that we thought perhaps the devil would try and walk through. And, and uh, so I believe that with all my heart, that the next sermons that will come out of this pulpit will be an absolute act of Jesus shepherding His church. And, and the shepherd that we love, the shepherd that we follow, whom we know the voice of, He's also able to keep the wolf away from the door. Amen? And I believe that He will do that for us. If you're in Acts chapter 3, uh, looking at verse 1, it says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. 
And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. If you believe this is God's word, say amen. I have shared with many of you uh, over meals and times of us getting coffee together. Some of my earliest memories in church were drawing pictures of fire trucks on offering envelopes. I was a child at the time, uh, and that was some of my earliest memories. And, uh, and I would take offering envelopes, and, and we've got the kind of envelopes here that open up from the end. And I remember the church I grew up in had the type of flap that would open up this way, not on the end here. And, and you could do all sorts of things to make it into a fire truck. You could tear the flap and make it the ladder. And, and, and I'm not sure how any of the kids around here are going to have a good childhood with these types of offering envelopes. But I, I remember even as a child playing with those offering envelopes, there was something that the pastor said once that so resonated in my heart. He said something along the lines of the church, not as in the building, but as in the collection of people that God's children, people gathering together, that it ought to be our soft place to land. And I remember, I don't remember my exact age at that time, but I think I was somewhere like four or five years old at the time. And even at that age, I remember hearing that and thinking, yes, I know that. I see that. I feel that. I, I, that is so true. This, is, this church is my soft place to land. I remember knowing that. And I'd like to preach a message this morning for just a few moments titled, A Soft Place to Land. And you might be saying to yourself, Pastor Ben, this doesn't quite sound like the devil's stomping message that we expected this morning. But the reason that I feel led to preach this kind of message is because that there's, hey, there have been some unexpected ministries that have popped up in this church. Uh, there have been a number of people that God has brought to this church, some of which have been just incredibly spiritually hungry. I mean, just really have been starving for the Word of God. There are people that have, have been let down by the church, quote-unquote. There are people who have been left wanting. There are people who have been given things that they really didn't need from groups of believers or people that would call themselves that. And, and I see this as a, as a spiritual attack of the devil. It has given many of you a spiritual limp. And this is not just us. I know that this is certainly true for our church, but probably for many churches today that there's people walking around with this kind of spiritual limp. They have this distrust of other believers. They have this hindrance in relationships of, of allowing themselves to be open in a church kind of setting. It has soured the attitudes of many and probably even altered their view of God to something that's not correct. And, and I hope I'm clear this morning, church, that I, I recognize one of the practices I do throughout the week is I try to listen to my own sermons, just to be a better communicator of God's words and lots of other reasons too. But, but something I realized, and it was affirmed by my sweet dear wife, I, I said, 
Sometimes I feel like I sound angry when I preach, and she lovingly affirmed that that is true. And if you've never thought that I sound angry when I'm preaching, then that's great. But, but if you have, I, just, I want you to know this morning, church, that it's not that I'm angry at you. If I was angry at you about something, I promise to always come to you just between us and, and to, to seek that we're restored together. If I'm ever up here and I sound angry to you, it's because I'm angry at what the devil has done. I'm angry at sin. I'm angry that the devil would take this soft place to land, this union, this thing called the church, the bride of Christ, and make it this harsh reality where people are not fed and, and they, they, they distrust and the attitude that's sour. And it makes me angry that the devil would do that to those kinds of people. And thankfully, we need to look no further than our Lord, whose nature is revealed to us in his word. So if you would go back to verse 1 where it says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms. Everyone say the word alms. From them who entered into the temple. We don't know a lot about this lame man. We can make a couple extrapolations. He's it doesn't tell us how old he is, but we know that he's probably 16, 17, 18 or older. It says that he was lame from his mother's womb from the time he was born. And it references him here as a man. So he's an adult man who's been lame all his life. His legs probably look like the legs of anyone who's been lame their entire life. His muscles are very atrophied. He was probably like anybody on those days who was lame, that they probably had sores on their hips and on their thighs from sitting down so much, and they didn't have ways to stay clean and all the things that we have in today's medical society. There, there's, he didn't have any of those things. He would have been dirty from always sitting on the ground. It was a pitiful scenario that he was in. Verse 3, Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Now, alms are not a is not a word that we commonly use today in our language, but much like if you were to go into an inner city type area and see someone begging, what they're asking for is usually money, which is also what this beggar alms was usually money but also usually food also it was a little bit more equally balanced between food and money and this man in this situation of being set at the gate of the temple is used to going there and, and asking and begging he can't work he can't make his own living he apparently not does not have family that can help care for him or family that cares enough about him to help care for him and he's begging for money and food from these alms from the people that would go into the temple and i believe if we not just skim over God's word, but we really read it and interpret what's there, we would know that this alms, this food and money that was given to him, was not completely satisfying. It was only somewhat satisfying. It made him go hungry again. The alms that were given were given by people, which at best, even if they were a part of the New Testament church and they were believers in Christ, at best, even if they were believers, were inconsistent. Some of the days he's sitting there, he would see people walk into the temple and one day a man might give him some money, but the next day that man might not give him anything. At best, it was, it was only somewhat satisfying that the alms were to him and they were inconsistent at best. He was always left wanting. I'm sure, it doesn't tell us explicitly, but I'm sure he probably thought to himself, is this really all there is to life? 
just to be carried in here every single day and to sit here in this pitiful place and to always just be begging and, and like there's no future in this, there's no hope in this, this is not a soft place to land, this is a, a raw deal here. I imagine he probably also had a wrong view of God given his circumstance. I don't know that for certain, but I'm, I'm imagining if I was in his shoes or lack thereof, sitting in his spot, I probably would have a wrong view of God. One that was very far from what is revealed to us in Scripture. I think even worse, church, than his lame, lameness that he experienced in his legs and in his feet that he experienced from the time of his birth, I think even worse than that, he probably had a spiritual limp. He's used to this church, this, these people giving him something that's not satisfying, that's inconsistent, that's not even really what he needed. Alms weren't really what he needed. He's got lameness in his legs. And alms are nice. There's nothing wrong with the people having given him those things. But if you had a broken leg that needed rods to be surgically implanted next to it, and somebody comes and brings you a Band-Aid, a Band-Aid is nice and it's wonderful and it's good. And, and Band-Aids are helpful and good, but you need something more. You need something deeper. You need something that's more satisfying, more consistent. Something that can actually do something about your situation and not simply leave you wanting later. Now what I have found as the pastor of this church that has become very clear to me is that the work that the devil was doing all those years ago, the devil is still doing today and he's doing it amongst the people of New Covenant Community Church. And here is what I mean by that. People today have been given and are being, are being given modern day alms. Instead of being given the alms of food that leaves one wanting and leaves one hungry later, people are receiving the alms from preachers that preach a non-gospel self-help message and it's only somewhat satisfying. It may be good and it may be helpful, but it leaves hunger still in the deepest part of the human spirit. It leaves one wanting. It leaves one to still be non-satisfied. There are people who experience people in the culture that are not just people that are inconsistent, but we're in the age of false prophets that are inconsistent at best. People are let down by this. I think people probably just like that man, him sitting there in that situation, looking at the door, outside the door of the temple, looking in as people march in to go pray. And, and as he's asking himself, is this really all there is to life? I think people have probably asked themselves many times, is this really all there is to church? And the problem like it was back then is also the problem that it is now is that alms are being given, but it's not really what's needed most. Self-help messages is not what is needed most. Programs and systems and agendas are not what is needed most. I think it's left a number of you with a wrong view of God. It's not true. I think it's left many of us with a spiritual limp. And church has become not a soft place to land. There's some of you that have experienced hurts. Some of you are scarred. Some of you are scared. And some of you are just salty about past experiences that you've had with believers, whether you've been in church or not. This may be the first time you've ever stepped foot inside of a church today. And you've just had interactions with people that said they were Christians, people that said they went to church. And it left you with the, it left you wanting. It left you with something that just didn't seem right. It left you with an incorrect view of of God's Word. And some of you might be thinking, especially for those of you that have had the same revelation that I had when I was four years old, of somebody saying that a church is your soft place to land, and you're like, yes, I have felt that. 
I've always known that church is my soft place to land. And perhaps you've grown up with that. Like you just know that your church family is where you let your hair down. It's where you let people, you let people see you cry and let people see you laugh. And, and if that's always been the way it is for you and for me, then praise the Lord. That's wonderful. That's wonderful that God has been so gracious and His great power towards us. But there are many that are not. And you might say, well, Pastor Ben, the church is growing. Why preach a message that may only be speaking to a very small select number of people at New Covenant Community Church. And the reasons are, number one, is because the mission of this church depends on it. John 13, 35 says, By this, Jesus says, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If we're going to show the world that we are the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's really hard to do if you don't like to love other people and you don't want to let other people love you. That's hard to have happen. In 1 Corinthians 1.10 it says, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. It's hard to do that. It's hard to, it's hard to be in that kind of unity together when you've got baggage that makes you scared. When you've got baggage that leaves a scar on you from some horrible experience you've had in another church or from some other believer, you've been given alms all these years and you just kind of have a bad taste in your mouth about that whole situation and church is not your soft place to land. It's hard for the New Testament church to have the mission as they ought to have as outlined by our Lord when people are carrying this baggage, when they have this spiritual limp, when they do not see the church fellowship as their soft place to land. The second reason that I'm preaching this message is because I really do love you. This pastor loves his congregation. And I desperately want you to be able to have that sweet and wonderful revelation of hearing somebody say that church is a soft place to land and it just to resonate with everything inside of you. I desperately want that. Is my microphone, there we go, okay. So what I plan to do this morning, church, is, is really quite simple. Um, I really just want to expose what the devil's doing so we can all see it for what it is. So we can just see these things clearly and, and let the Lord have his work that he would have this morning. Because to me, the devil's plan is, is quite very simple. And gentlemen, this will be the first slide. It's to make Jesus' bride unattractive to you. Jesus' bride being you and me, being the church, not being this building. It's just simply the place where the church meets. The church is you and I, is to make this group, this fellowship, this people, this group of believers together unattractive to you. That indeed is the devil's plan. The devil does not want you to have this revelation that I did as a four or five year old drawing pictures of fire trucks and offering envelopes. He does not want you to believe in the Acts 4 picture of the church that everyone had, no one had a need because they all just, everything you shared together and, and then when there was one hurting among you, you went and helped them and supported them and, and this family of like you're just moving forward together and this trust. The devil doesn't want that for you. The devil doesn't want Romans 12 to be true where you can laugh with those who laugh and cry with those who cry, a place where people go through life with you the devil does not want that for you and it makes me angry that the devil does that it makes me angry that the devil would use sin to leave people with this baggage with this hurt i remember in my last ministry context um we were there for a number of years and i would run into somebody i would preach one sunday it was not my job to be preaching every week but once a month or so i would preach and and i would run into somebody at the grocery store that week that would 
come up to me and say, oh, Pastor Ben, that was the most wonderful message you preached on Sunday. I was so encouraged by it. Bless you in the Lord, brother. And I'm thinking to myself, where I've never seen this person in my life. I don't know this person from anywhere. And this would happen consistently. And, and it always boggled me because Abby and I were always so connected in the church and building friendships and relationships. And we were so intentional to do those types of things. I could, could not figure out how even in a church of that size that there would be people, numerous people that I had never even seen before that apparently had been watching me preach and watch me minister for years. That just, But it, it became clear to me after Daisy was born and we, like most everybody, would sit normally in the same spot every Sunday, and then we changed where we were sitting so that Abby could slip out with the baby if necessary, which just so happened to be closer to the back, okay? And, and I remember those first few weeks that we had Daisy at church and we're sitting there, and I would see people come super late, like, like right when the preaching first began, after all the worship, they'd come in and they'd sit down, and then like right as the closing prayer was happening, they'd get up and leave, a whole, like 15 of them every week and i'm th the first thought i had was those heathen sinners how could they you know i mean that was but as the lord matured me what, what i really began to have for those people it's like man I, I i'd like to know their story why are they so scared it's like 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 they're drawn to the gospel they're drawn to christ but it's like they can't help they just want to stay away as far away as they can from the church like how sad how sad that somebody's got this kind of scarring they've they've got this spiritual limp that that prohibits them from being in this church in this way it's what how what a sad what a sad thing that anybody would experience that horribly sad so the question on the table this morning is how how do these kinds of people how do you this morning if you would be in this hurt spiritual limping crowd how do you find this group of people to be your soft place to land look to verse six it says then peter said silver and gold i do not have but what i have i give you in the name of jesus christ of nazareth rise up and walk this guy was used to getting alms from people unsatisfying inconsistent leaving him spiritually hurt and limping alms is what this guy was used to getting from these folks. But then here comes along Peter, a broke fisherman. And he's even said, I don't even have any silver and gold to give you, but what I do have, I'm not going to give you these alms that everyone else has been giving you, but I've got Christ. And if I can give you Christ, it's the only thing that you need. And, and, and I don't know about you, but when you read God's Word, sometimes like the rest of your life starts making sense because it never really I never really understood how is it at four years old that I could have this revelation of like, yes, church, soft place to land, I love it here. How, how, what makes that true? Why is that? And I tell you, church, as I studied this this week, it all became perfectly clear to me because there was nothing special about that church building that I grew up in. There were as many coffee stains on that carpet as there are on this carpet this morning, all right? The people there were not always wonderfully beautiful and friendly. Some of them were kind of like you and that you've been frowning for so long that your face is just kind of stuck that way. And it was not because of that from those people that, that made the church the soft place to land. It wasn't the brand of coffee. I didn't even like coffee back then. It became so perfectly clear to me is because those people did not give me alms. Those people, as a child, they gave me Christ. And I found it satisfying. I found it completely satisfying. I found it so wonderful and so joyful. They didn't give me alms. The reason that that church was a soft place to land, it had nothing to do with the place and the people. It was what they were giving me. It was Christ. And it was perfectly satisfying. It was wonderfully joyful. And I, at four years old, said, yes, 
soft place to land, church. That is absolutely true. So what I want to do, church, is what I'm already doing. It's I pray before I preach to you every Sunday that, Lord, don't let me give them alms. I don't want to give them something that leaves them hungry. Why would I want to do that? I want to give them you and your fullness. I don't want to give them something that will leave them scarred. I want it to be Christ and Christ alone that I give to these people. So what is it, and gentlemen, this will be the next slide, what is it that makes Jesus' bride attractive? It's Jesus. It's not the building, it's not the people, it's not the programs, it's not the system, it's the Lord Jesus Christ Himself that makes this fellowship, this union together so beautiful that we're, we have this upward call of Jesus Christ on our lives. It's that indeed is what makes it beautiful. It was not Peter that made this man light up and receive strength in his ankle bones and he can go marching into the temple to pray with the church. It was not Peter. It was Christ. So when I ask myself the question, what will it be that heals some of your scars and some of your attitudes? What will it be that makes this fellowship of believers a soft place to land for you? It's not going to be me. It's not going to be me structuring the church so we can have this right kind of fellowship so that you just feel a certain way. I don't really give a rip about you feeling a certain way. I want, I'm talking about true heart change of, of what God has made you and what God has done, not an emotional feeling. It will not come from me. It will come from Jesus Christ, that true, real kind of change. Church, if you need to find a Christian or a pastor with imperfection, you don't need to look any further than me. I promise you that. Uh, we've been training Daisy as she's been getting older and whatnot to have manners. Everybody, every parent teaches their kid that. And, and even when she was real little, even, you know, she's two, almost two and a half now, even a year ago, she would you know, she would make an embarrassing noise and we would teach her to say, excuse me, even before she could verbalize it. We had her signing the sign language for excuse me. And, and it was much to my and Abby's surprise that just a number of weeks ago, a few a couple months ago, that she makes such an embarrassing noise. And with no smiles or expressions on her face, she goes, Daisy toot like daddy. So... <laughs> Church, if you find this place to be your soft place to land, if you find this people to be a soft place to land for you and find true healing for some of the scars that you have from previous circumstances of dealing, of, of sitting outside the temple and seeing the church pass by you and, and being hurt by that, if you experience healing from that, it is going to be because of our shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. If you believe that, say amen. You know, I'm reminded just now of the, um, there's that song that people have been singing. It's gotten more popular, but as far as I understand the history of this song, it's kind of funny because nobody knows really where it came from. Um, but as the history books tell us that it was first heard, first written down, nobody knows really where it came from, but, but where we give credence to technically where it came from was uh, slaves in early America, even when they were being sold from from one plantation to the next, and, and, and some of them facing the horrific things that they faced, that, that they could be heard singing. Even in the condition that they were, they would hear the gospel and get saved, and, and they could be heard singing this song that perhaps you've heard before, and it goes something, um, In the morning when I rise, In the morning when I rise, 
in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. You know that song. And it goes off, give me Jesus, give me Jesus. You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. That's the song that they sang. And I, I hope that that would be your prayer, your hope to just be given Jesus. My solemn promise to you as an imperfect man, church, is that every time the Lord gives me an opportunity to preach from this pulpit, is that I would give you Jesus in that way. So the devil's plan, it's to make Jesus' bride unattractive to you. I hope I've ripped the curtain back so that you can see what the working is there. And I hope you also see clearly that the thing, the absolute thing that makes Jesus' bride attractive is Jesus himself. Look to verse 7 if you would. And Peter took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping, and stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Some things that day church changed for that man. The things that changed is he was no longer given a food that left him hungry. He was given the completely satisfying food of the Lord Jesus Christ. John 6.35 says, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. That man on that day had been experiencing alms, inconsistent alms from inconsistent people. He then had a taste of the Lord Jesus Christ who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, the never-ending, never-changing nature of our Lord that he experienced that day. He had been used to being left wanting, always wanting more, and always feeling this uncertainty about his relationship to the church and seeing people go in as he sits outside this gate. But that day he experienced the true promise of 1 Chronicles 28, 1 Corinthians 10, 1 Kings 8, 1 Peter 5, 2 Timothy 1. The great promise throughout all of Scripture that God gives us is, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And there he goes, strolling into the temple with Peter and John to pray. And I believe, and, and if I, I hope you don't see this as reading too much in Scripture, but as, as best I can tell from the Scripture we have there, I believe that that day that the church be, at least began to be a more soft place to land for him as he goes walking in joyfully and praising God in the way that he did. So the question I have for you today, church, is are you bruised today? Have you been bruised by people who said they were Christians? Have you been, have you been fed inconsistent, unsatisfying food from somebody who said they were a preacher but may or may not have even known the Lord Jesus Christ himself? Have you been bruised? Or do, do, do you have a hurt? Do you have this, even if this is your first time ever in a church and you've experienced people out in the world and out in the workplace who said they were Christians and you've been hurt by them, you've, been, you, you've seen the hypocrisy in their life and you're thinking, man, what must go on in that church is not good. Have you been hurt in that kind of way? Because if you have, the words of our Lord Jesus Christ to you today are, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Matthew eleven twenty nine through 30. Would you stand as we pray together as we come to the music?
Father in heaven, let the healing that happens in this place of hurts, of scars, of things that people are scared of, God, shepherd your church in the way that only you can, we pray. Remind them of your graciousness. Lord, when we, when we come together, let us not be a people that just gives each other alms and band-aids, good and helpful things, but not the thing we truly need. I pray that we would give each other the one thing that's worth giving, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. In Jesus' name. And all the church says, amen. You're welcome to come to this altar. We're always open for prayer as we worship together.